got to be that way. But then God just says, you know, I want your heart, actually. I want your heart. I want your heart. He's looking for men and women who have hearts after Him. Who have a heart of worship. Not because society or, or my upbringing says it should be this way or what I've learned should be this way. No, 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 no. Just put aside your thoughts right now. Put away your in, even your intellect. Sometimes we allow our own intellect to be too good for what he has. And we, we, we try and reason everything out. Oh, no, they've been, they're using incorrect terminology. You can believe that. Sometimes we allow that thing of like, no, he didn't use the correct terminology. We get stuck on that kind of thing. We, we almost allow, we, we don't allow the Holy Spirit to move because we, we so actually root, the root in that is, is arrogance and pride. I'll just throw it out there. I know it might be offensive, but for me, the reality is if we get to a place where we go, man, this is it. This is how it should be. And this is what I've been taught. This is what I've, and he's wrong. Man, you've lost, you've lost the measure of, of, of allowing the Holy Spirit to, to just wreck your heart. You got something? You sure? <laughs> you sure, can you? So I want Benny to preach, and I think it's going to be a good foundation for, and also a good place to, to build on. And as we allow, allow the Word to renew our minds, okay? We need to open, just take off all our preconceived ideas of how we've done things and allow Him. And then I want us out of that. Once He's preached, the kiddies can quietly go. We're going to, we're going to go into a time of worship again. And it's going to be a response out of a revelation of what Jesus has done in our hearts. Is that all right? Cool. It's no program in loving God. Think of that scripture where it says, love Him with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength, everything. Your mind is included. Your heart's included. There's not one without the other. There's something of God wants all of us. And um, that's how we worship Him. And uh, like Chad says, we, our minds can have preconceived ideas of how God looks and how He must come and what He must do. But it's a relationship. Um, I have a relationship with my wife, not just because of the things I know about her, but because there's things I don't know about her, and that we're forever building a relationship, and there's something of intrigue, there's something of mystery of, of knowing her, and it's the same with God. Uh, I Think of it, we could never out-know everything of who God is. It's, it's impossible. I mean, I, I can never know my wife in the fullness of who she is. I mean, it's taken... We almost be married 20 years now, and I'm still learning lots about her. But that's how God is, and it's, a, it's amazing. That's what church is. There shouldn't be a formula, a set way. I mean, think of that. How can your relationship be like that? Think of your wife, your husband. There is no formula. It's, it's a relationship. It's, it's heart, it's mind, it's soul, it's strength, it's everything. And uh, so, yeah, this morning, I don't, I don't know what to title it, but anyway, it, it kind of flows in with what God's doing um, and I was just thinking, you know, when Laura and I first came here to plant the church three years ago, well, three years ago now, hey Bob, and um, you know, one of the questions was asked, was a very intimidating question by someone who stayed here, 
And so the question was like, why have another church in George? <laughs> why another? And I've got to admit, it is intimidating, that kind of question. But, but I looked at that question, I analyzed it, and I could, I could look at it theologically and say, well, actually, it's not a sound question because, you know, Jesus refers in, in Matthew 9, 37, where he says when he looks at the harvest, he, he said the harvesters, he says, was ripe and is plentiful, but the, the laborers are few. And so if Jesus said there wasn't much laborers, who are we to say there's, there's too much? And uh, he wasn't looking at, a, at, at us just discipling. He was looking at sheep without a shepherd, which to me puts it in the context of church. And uh, so can there really be enough churches? Theologically, no. But, but I do want to say that question still stayed with me, and it still does in, in the sense that Although maybe theologically it's not correct, but I believe God challenged me with that question because it always keeps me, and I know even as elders we've this kind of work and we process this lots, is what makes us different? What makes us, what has God called us here for now? What is our purpose? What is our mission? What is it, you know? And it, it keeps us in check, really. And, and I think we should always have that because otherwise you do become formulative. You do think, well, this is what I see church as, and that's it. And that's the way it's going to be. But if, if we've always got that inside of us, what is our, why are we here? And what is our purpose? We, we're always open to what God wants to say to us. Okay. So I just want to keep that in mind because, you know, my heart, and I was just sharing this now with Chad because he kind of asked, now what are you sharing? We don't even know. But my heart is that God is comfortable in his house. Okay. I want God to be comfortable in this house. I want to say if you're a visitor, we love you. We love to have you. We want to be warm. We want to be inviting. We want to be kind. We want to be generous. But at the same time, we know these meetings need to make God comfortable even more than you. And we, as much as we can love you guys. But I know this, that when God's in this house, you're going to know. It's going to be, sometimes there's going to be a, a pressure. There's going to be, I don't feel, there's things that, that, that I'm feeling convicted with, and there's a challenge of the Holy Spirit that He puts on me, and sometimes I feel the affirmations of God, but God is here. And I, I, when Chad was sharing, I, I just thought of that, that scripture, you were talking about tithing, and it's amazing, you're talking about Jacob, and uh, that, that place, even when he tithed, you know what came to mind? When Jacob came and he was sleeping, and he woke up, and remember he saw the ladder of these angels ascending and descending, and he woke up, and he says, God was in this place, and I didn't even know. And, he, and this is what he said. It just came to mind now. He says, this place is awesome. That's what he said. This is God's house. And he named it God's house. And I want when people come into this house, into this place, amongst us, they can say the same thing. This place is awesome. Not because of you. Because God is in the house. This is his house. But I want to say, it's not to say this is his house. We've got to be inviting that God is here to make this his dwelling. All right. Not because we're Josh Jen. This is not God's house because we, we've got a flag, we've got a thing that calls us Josh Jen. That does not make this God's house. You and I and our invitation to the Holy Spirit and to God moving among us is what makes this God's house. Okay, I just want you guys to keep that in mind because, yeah. And, and, but there's certain, obviously, foundations that need to be laid in order for God to come and make this His home. And um, I was just think, thinking of... Uh, Remember that, what's that uh, tower that's in, is it in Italy, hey, uh, the Tower of Pisa? And one of the things about the Tower of Pisa, what I found very interesting, was there's no, there's no 
builder or architect that's attached their name to this building, so they actually don't know who built it. And I can understand because that building was an embarrassment at the time. <laughs> you know, and they started building this place, and they got to the, three, the third story when this thing started sloping, and they started realizing, oh, no, you know, we didn't actually do what we should have with the foundations. And uh, the funny thing is, who knows what the purpose of that tower was for? It was a. F <laughs> Guys, they know your history. You're bad. Didn't you do history? <laughs> it was a bow, a bow tower, okay? A freestanding bow tower. And, uh, you know, but I, I kind of found it funny because that, that tower never served its purpose because they couldn't carry those towers, those bells carried too much weight for them to actually carry on with the way it was slanting, that if they put the weight of those bells uh, on there, the thing would have collapsed completely. But they have got bells there, but apparently it's, they're not in operation, all the rest. But, but the purpose of why it was built was never fulfilled because the foundation wasn't laid properly in the first place. And now the place is a tourist destination, and that's all. I never want, if we don't lay the foundation right, this is just going to be a tourist place where people come and go, nice, let's go, move on. But this has to be a house of God, and the foundation has to be laid right so God can make His dwelling. And that keeps us in line of knowing what our purpose is. And we've we got to know the purpose before we build the foundation, right? I mean, it's got to carry the weight of what God wants to do. And so we've got to keep that in mind. And so I want to just talk a little bit about those foundational things. I'm not, I understand the Bible talks about Jesus being the foundation. We lay that foundation of Jesus. Well, Paul says, I lay the foundation, and we build upon it. But I want to talk more about the foundation of our relationships with Him and with one another. Because um, I really think that's, that's key. You know, if we're going to be a place, I want to say this, if we're going to be a place where we invite the presence of God, it's not always about your comfort. There's going to be things that just don't seem right, they seem messy at times. But you know, God is more interested in our unity and our times together and how we invite Him than He is about the, the froth, you know what I mean? The, all the, the cosmetics of church. You know, you can have a good sound system, even the sound going off this morning. That's fine. We, we can be comfortable with that because this is not what makes church. Okay, we need these great tools, these great facilities, but can we go without them at times? We need to be open for that. And uh, I, I like Psalm 133 when he talks about when my brethren dwell together. This is God talking. When my brethren dwell together in unity, it talks about the oil of the anointing of God coming upon us. And I'm just going to paraphrase it. But then it says, and God commands his blessings and life forevermore. I want God to command his blessings over this place. I want it. I, want it. I, I don't know about you guys. I want the blessings of God. And I want his life. Imagine that. It's amazing. So, this place has to be about Jesus. It has to be about His presence. I was reading Psalm 26. You can go there. I'll give you that one, Morris, Psalm 26. It says this, O Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. Just keep that there. I, I love that scripture. It says, God, I love the habitation of your house. It doesn't say, I love your house. We build the house. We, we, we co-labor with Jesus because this house has to be glorious, but it's got to be glorious. But I love the habitation. It's the habitation of why we build the house. It's so God can inhabit the praises of His people. That's why we build the house. 
We don't build it for, to be a social club. We build it for his habitation. And then it says, and the place where your glory dwells. I want God to dwell here. I want his presence to be here. And it, and it takes sometimes something of less of me and more of him in order to do that. I mean, Chad was just sharing, come on, guys, we're free. Do you, do you know that? We're free. Let's be free. It's sometimes hard for us. I want to challenge you. If it's just putting up your hand, if that is a lot, start there. Start there, but do something. You, you see, why is it important? We're not trying to force people to do anything, but there's something of living in that freedom. Yeah. Huh? We've got to live in it. If, you, if, you can't, if you're worried about the person next to you, it's a fear of man. That's not freedom. God wants us to be free. I want us all to come here in the worship, that there's no place for the elders. Like, hey, Chad, I'm trying to get to him. But that's good, because why, why do we do that? Because we're creating a culture of worship and praise it's not about the front so much. It's about the enthusiasm and, and spurring one another up to love and good works and to, to getting each other and saying, God, we come to meet with you. We're anticipating you to do something. And it's excitement within us to do that. So that is a culture. I want to encourage you. If you've never been up in the front, come to the front. Come worship with us. It's not about the elders in the front. We're not like that. It's about us together coming and worshiping him with passion. Amen. You guys care? So I want God to be comfortable here. And you know, just in line with that, I want to say this. Okay, let's turn, before I go, let's go to Revelation 3.20. Jesus is talking to the church now, huh? and, he's, and he's busy kind of telling them what they're doing right and wrong, but it always starts with the revelation of Jesus that he, that he addresses each church. But I love this. And verse 20, he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, okay, to the church, not to you just as an individual, but to the church. He's talking to the church. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him, and he will eat with me. Him, sorry, I will come in to him and eat with him, and he with me. Now, just keep that scripture. I love it because you know these times that we have even together, we don't always know how the meeting's going to go. We don't have a prearranged elders meeting. Okay, we really feel the Sunday's going to go like this, this, this. That's preconceived. We don't have that. In a sense, these times, and not only just these gathering times, but there's a sense of which we should be constantly waiting, how's God going to come through in this meeting? And so we, we constantly, we, we, we say, hey, Bob, did you hear that? Chad, or whoever comes to the front, we're listening. Is, 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 is that person that's bringing the word, is that the, or is it just that, time of worship that Jesus just breaks through and it's, we heard him this morning. Well, sometimes it is just the teaching. But do you hear what I'm saying? There's always that anticipation. Is, is, this could be him. This could be him at the door now. Let's open. I wonder how many churches are so aware of that when they have their meetings. We're waiting for that knock. I stand at the door and knock. And then I love it. This is what he says. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him. And then he says, and he, and he with me. Do you notice this? It's not just, I come, we receive God. This is come, I want to eat with you and you with me. There's a communion happening here. There's, a, there's not a, a monologue, just me teaching here in the, in the front. That's a monologue. I'm talking, you guys are listening. But there's a conversing God with us. 
I want to hear you. I want to, I want to hear what's, what's holding you back sometimes. I want, to, I want to break through in your life. I want to hear. And so there's a thing of confession at times. There's sometimes coming before the altar of God and just repenting. God, hear my sin. This is where I am. This is where I am. I want to, I want to just confess to you. And there's a sense of God listening to us. And then God sometimes speaking to us and saying, I just want to love you. I want you to experience my love. I want to pour out my love. I want you to experience me now. And there's a conversing happening. There's a communing happening. And God wants to do that in the life of the church. It's not a one-way thing. And so these times together are like that. And that's why in Revelation 3.13 it says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit say, says to the churches. Okay? We've got to hear. And it's the Holy Spirit that we've got to hear. Hear what the Spirit is saying. And it's our spirits that can bear witness with His Spirit. It's not our flesh. It's not our hears. It's not what we think. Okay? It's what our spirits have to witness with His Spirit. That's what defines our meetings. Who's heard the Spirit this morning? That's the kind of thing. We, we should be constantly listening for that knock. So, we need God's presence, church. We need God's Spirit here. So where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Okay, 2 Corinthians 3.17. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I can't create freedom for you. Only the Spirit can. Salvation belongs to who? The Lord. If He's here, He'll bring salvation. I, I can't save people. <laughs> who saves? God. I can't heal people. Who heals? God. I can't set people free. It's God. We know. We, we're so aware as elders. We can't do anything. Unless the Lord builds the house, we labor in vain. We're so aware of that. But it does take you and I together as a church to come together and open our hearts to what He wants to do so He can break through, so He can bring life, that He can bring healing, that He can restore, because that's how God works. And so, you know, I kind of wonder how many churches are actually aware that God is in the building. Are they aware that He's here or He's not here? Remember that, that, that saying they always used to say, um, with Elvis. They say, Elvis has left the building. Yeah. Yeah. You know that saying? You know that, that, that phrase that was coined? You, you ever wonder why they actually said that? You know how that phrase came about? You do? Okay, I'll tell you. Thank you very much. Just hold on. You know, why they, the reason they said that is because the people would, would wait for the Elvis concerts, hey? And when Elvis would come on and after he's done his show, now and then he would come and do an encore. We'd come again and do a bow and another song or something. And the guys would linger in those buildings for hours, waiting for that thing. And eventually they'd have to do these announcements to say, actually, guys, you can go home now. We want to close up. Elvis has left the building. And uh, I don't know why I'm saying this, but <laughs> interesting information. <laughs> but no, but I, what, what I felt is there should be a lingering here until we know has God left the building? And so we've got to wait. God, yeah, yeah, okay. Presence is lifted. We know God is always with us, but there's a sense of the glory is here and the glory lifts sometimes. And so that's when we go. <laughs> but we have to be comfortable with that. And you know, the worst thing, you know, for the Jewish people, they long for the glory of God. And the worst thing you could say to a Jewish person was Ichabod. You know where the, where the word actually, where I was kind of reading up about it, where it actually kind of came up very strongly was in 1 Samuel 4, 
where the Philistines had captured the ark. Remember that story? And there was a, a wife of Phineas. Now she, her, her father-in-law was Eli. Now when the ark had been captured, he died. So her father-in-law died. Her husband died during that battle. The ark was captured. And she had a son at that time. And then she died after that son. It was a terrible story. But she called her son Ichabod. Means the glory has lifted, it's left. I never want this to be a place where the glory of God has left, that we feel that, like, what now? You know? And you might say, well, Benny, God will never do that. But he says he'll do that. He says to the churches, I'll come and I'll remove my lampstand. What does that mean? He means he's not going to invite himself into your home, he's in, his presence is not going to come. He's not going to carry on doing this, and we're not answering, we're not opening the door. We've got to be listening because I want His Spirit here, church. We can't do anything without His Spirit. But are we listening for Him? Are we, are we awake to His Spirit? And that's going to be costly sometimes. This means sometimes of stretching out in worship and doing that. Can I say, even something small like that, the kingdom can break through in your life. We need to be open to that. We don't just do this or, or praise. We do it because the Bible commands us to do it. It tells us, shout for joy. You know, it talks about dancing. And I know I'm guilty sometimes. Sometimes I'm just, it's not because I'm fear man. For me, it's sometimes I'm just tired, you know. It's, it's that, that exercise I don't have that often. But there's, you know, I kind of think scripturally, you know, think of it. We, we sing Amazing Grace, how sweet it is. I love this. I love it it's where it talks about I was blind, but now I see. Think of it. If you were blind and you can see now, you're going to rejoice, huh? Remember that song we used to sing in the 80s? I don't know if you guys remember it. Where, where it talks about, what was it, the blind man? I'm just trying to think. And uh, it's, uh, it goes, who, who remembers it? That's it. How does it start? Leaping and praising God. Walking and leaping and praising God. You remember that one? In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Hey, that's the 80s, huh? But we still remember it. But we remember it because, you know, it's scriptural. If you were blind and now you see, a natural response is to, woo, I can see. That should be a natural response. So you've been, you were once blind. Otherwise, don't sing Amazing Grace. You were once blind like me. But now I see. And now I see. I'm walking and leaping. <laughs> Come on, it's scriptural. <laughs> it's scriptural. But, but we've got to be inviting, you know, we, you, not just the elders, we are custodians of the house of God. All of us. We invite his presence. And I was looking at a man by the name of Stephen. Let's go there to Acts 7, 48 to 50. Before I go, you can keep it there. You know, Stephen, it says, was a man filled with the Spirit. He was full of faith. Verse 6, 5 says he was full of faith in the Spirit. Okay, the Spirit of God was on him. Okay, he was, you might say, just a deacon in the church. But let me tell you, we don't, a deacon is not a, I want to say this. Elders and deacons, a deacon is not someone who doesn't cut it as an elder. It's a different ministry, completely different. This was a man anointed by God, and he was doing greater things than the disciples at the time. And, uh, but God was using him. And he, you know what the amazing thing with Stephen? As I was reading this, he was addressing the custodians of the house. He was addressing the, the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees, the ones who were kind of looking after the house of God. 
And that's why he was, became the first guy to be martyred, because of what he says here. And he, this is what he says. He says, Yet the Most High does not dwell in a house made by hands, as the prophets say. Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord of, or, or who, sorry, or what is the place of my rest? Did not my hands make all these things? You know what, you know what amazes me about the scripture? They got, the Bible says, if you, if you read verse 54, it says they got angry with him. It says they grinded their teeth when he said that. What were they on about? What was the problem? You know, do you know Stephen wasn't quoting something new to them? He was actually quoting Isaiah 66. And if they were custodians of the house, they would know that he was quoting a, the prophet Isaiah's prophecy to the church, well, to, to Israel. So why were they angry? This is the most high does not dwell in a temple made with hands. Why were they angry? Because they knew that. They knew that scripture. But you know what he was doing? He was disempowering the Pharisees, saying actually God's not in this. Why? Because their identity, he was disenfranchising them. He was saying your, your identity, your, your money, everything, your business is all wrapped around this building. And God doesn't even dwell there anymore. And they were angry because of that. I want to say, we as a church, we've got to be careful that even that doesn't, the house does not, it's not what brings us identity. God brings us identity. The name Josh Jen is, is a tool. We use it to bring the gospel, to, to proclaim the gospel. To, it's a, the vehicle to which we, we go and to, to express that. But our identity is not in that. But I, I do want to say, Stephen kind of tells the guys this, and they get angry with him because he's just disempowered him. He's just kind of take, hey man, the temple is what made me who I am. Now you're just telling everybody it's not. Imagine that. Imagine me going out, sitting outside, um, be starting a coffee shop. And me saying to the guys, listen, there's no coffee in that shop. It's not, that's, that's what he was doing. He was saying, look, the Holy Spirit is, not, the Spirit is not in the temple. You wouldn't make much money, would you? If I was standing outside your door telling people that. And, and Stephen knew this. He understood, look. They've just taken away everything of what makes us who we are. We cannot find identity about the house, but there's something of the presence of God that brings identity to us. It's God himself that brings that identity. My ministry doesn't bring my identity. Me preaching here doesn't bring identity. Me hoping people see me doing good things doesn't bring identity. God alone can bring that identity. We've got to be careful even why we do what we do. It's the motives. Question that. All right. <clears throat> and you know, Jesus even said to his disciples this, and he was talking about building his house. He says, A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is, an, it is enough for the disciple to be like a teacher and the servant like his master. Oh, see, you got it there. Uh, it is enough for the disciple to be like the teacher and the servant like a master. If they are called the master of the house, Beelzebub, Okay, calling him devil, how much more will they malign those who are of his household? Now, people will get angry with you. If you're really of the house of God, let me tell you, the world likes to build its own. But we're here to build his name. We're here to represent him. And when you do that, Jesus is saying, look, I'm the master of the house. And if they will call me devil because I'm really about God's house, they're going to do the same with you. Don't think you're greater than the master of the household. And you know, we've we got to be careful too, just, just, even in how we build church. If we, we, we don't build it around ourselves, we build it about what makes it, 
about Him. And it's easy. It's easy to quickly build our own things. But do you have passion? I remember you shared about having the zeal for God's house. About Jesus. He had a zeal for the house of God. And you know, when we build our own things, we can build quickly. Hey? We'll find finances for it. We'll, we will resource it when it's for ourselves. But when it's for the things of God, it's going to come at a cost. And I, I shared that scripture, uh, that, that scripture, I shared that news on the tithing last week, just about how Notre Dame, within one week, they had a billion euros, or billion dollars, sorry, sorry for, to build that thing. A billion euros, a billion, billion dollars in one week. Why? Because they were building their own house. It wasn't about the cathedral. I was just listening to the businessmen that, that gave the money to that. They said, you know what? This represents us. This represents France. This is a pride of who we are. This represents us and our culture. And so Macron said, great guys, we're going to do this in five years. That was a French president. And you know, when, when, I mean, it's amazing building if you, if you actually think of it. I mean, it is. It's, it's got history of almost a thousand years. Burnt. And, and you know what the amazing thing is? That, that building has witnessed a lot of things. Think of it. Think of something that's been around for a thousand years. I mean, it's, wit it's, it's, it's witnessed the, the crowning of Henry VI. It's witnessed the, the, the coronation of Napoleon I and the beautification what's of Joan of Arc. I mean, it's witnessed a lot of things, great people. But you and I, we get to witness a greater thing. You and I are built as a house. These walls witness the King of Kings, who's eternal. We do. He's eternal. And when Jesus is building us together, these walls are going to speak of greater things. Man, we're witnessing something is eternal. That building might last another thousand years. But what God's building here is for eternity. Come on, guys. <laughs> We've got to do this. Even when you don't always agree with the person that's there, we've got to love them unconditionally. We've got to build with them. Why? So God can come and make this his dwelling. Don't think, oh, you know, it's all right if I've just got a small thing against that person. The Bible says if we're not in unity, God's not going to command his blessings. I want him to come and invite. I want us to witness. It says, that's why Jesus came. It says when he came as flesh, it says we behold his glory. We've got to behold His glory, but it, it comes, we've got to witness that in our relationships with one another. You shared about, this is how the world will know that you're my disciples, that you have love for one another. Now, if you were to witness my walls in my house, you're going to see that sometimes there's things that are different. They're not always, you know, if you, if you were flying the wall in 8 Birch Street, Heather Park, you're going to hear times of laughter where we're enjoying each other's personalities you're going to hear times of high-pitched voices because homework has not been done. Chores have not been met. <laughs> and I'm sure this is what Lorette hears, my flat next-door neighbor. And then there's times where there's crying because there's pain and hurt. And then there's times even of silence. And that's not when my boys are eating. <laughs> but there's life in that house. It's messy at times, yes, but there's life there. And I want to say, even as we build relationships, it's going to be messy. It's going to be, but it's got to be authentic. It's got to be real. There's going to be times that we've got to be open with one another and converse. And sometimes, yes, it's painful. Sometimes we laugh together. Sometimes we still and know that he's God and there's, there's silence. 
But there's something of knitting our hearts in relationships that's, that's key. Oh, I've got to just cut this down. <laughs> but you know, as we witness Christ, as we, the walls, the building, the living stones, as we witness Him, you might say, Benny, I've got nothing to contribute. What, if, what have I got to offer in this building? You might feel insignificant. I want to say every person has a part. And there is no thing that is not significant in the house of God. Nothing. Everything has a purpose. You know, when God told Moses to build the temple, he was very specific. He had all the material that he needed. It was very specific. Everything. And you are part of that. You are those living, you that living wall. You that material. And I just thought of 2 Corinthians 4, verses 77. It says, you can turn there. I don't think I did give you that one. Eh? It says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. And I love that because I've got the, another version that says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. We have this treasure. Who is this treasure? It's Jesus in us. We have this treasure. There is nothing, no one's insignificant. We have this treasure. And yes, we're just vessels. Yes, we make mistakes. Yes, we're full of this and full of that. But we have this treasure. And when we knit together, man, we're building for eternity. Oh, I, I, but I want to quickly go back. So Stephen's saying, heaven is my throne. Let's talk about God. The earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? You know, if you think of that scripture, as I was reading it, I was, I was really just perplexed in a sense. Because it leaves me, and I'm sure it leaves all of us, in a place of vulnerability. Because when God's, he's not saying, don't build me a house. He's saying, listen, I want to just give you just a few parameters to this house. I want to just see where heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. It kind of leaves me vulnerable. It leaves me, God, you're far greater than I can even think or imagine. How the heck do you think I'm going to build this house? And God says, great, that's where I want you. <laughs> it's a vulnerable moment. I want to see the impact that we're going to make here in, this George, in George. It's how we view that thing. How do we view his house? Do we see the largeness of what he's doing? Can we see that heaven is his throne? Can we see that the earth is his footstool? Does it leave you vulnerable and incapable? Does it leave you to a place of, God, I, there's no ways we're going to do this. Does it leave you there? If it does, it's good. Because then God's saying, great. Now you're going to trust in my spirit. Now you're going to trust in my power. And that's where we've got to be, church. And so I want to challenge you to today, this morning. I want to challenge you in our worship. I want to challenge you in our relationships. Are you open to listening to this? Are you? Are you open? Are you going to be open in the worship? We're going to do some worship. Are you open to it? So Whatever that means to you, I don't know. But Jesus is knocking on our hearts. And if he's not, you've got to be questioning something. I will. God, why, why am I not? Why can't I hear your knock? We've got it because he's standing at the door. He won't force himself in. That's the amazing thing about God. He's, he's gentle. His spirit doesn't work like that. He doesn't say, you will change. I will do this. He just knocks and he waits. It's amazing. He can do whatever he wants to, but he doesn't do that. Amazing. I love him. Because I love God for that. Just who he is and how he works in my heart. Can I... Oh, it's, yeah, I want the worship team come up. 
Man, you know, I'm just almost feeling as well that it's more than just in our response in these moments, are we, are we, how we're responding to the Holy Spirit. But man, what about when He's knocking on our hearts during the week to pray for someone, to pick up the phone and encourage someone? Suddenly you have that burden of, man, I've got such a burden for Mark and Janita. don't know why. Just like, and I'll start to pray, and I'll start to pray, and I'll start to pray. And then do we just stop there praying, or do we pick up the phone and say, Mark, Janita, how are you guys doing? And as you chat, maybe, hey, like, this is the situation. Hey, and then how can I stand in the gap for that moment? For any one of us. Or maybe suddenly you, 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 there's, a, there's, a, there's a work colleague or someone that, at work that, Suddenly, like a sense, you need to pray for them. Someone comes in with palm tires, and I know you guys do it often. Like, just a sense, hey, can we pray for you? And uh, that's, like, I want to honor you guys, Mark and Paul, like the way you do that. Like, guys come in, you're not ashamed to just take a moment and say, my bro, can I, can I tell you about Jesus? Or can I, those opportunities, because that's how the kingdom of God comes. Not just in, in our meeting here on a Sunday, because this, this is important, and I want to emphasize what Benny has, has, has said but is it breaking out in our, in our lives, with our families, as, as dads? I was so touched this week in community when, when we prayed for Timmy. And Quinton got up as a dad in the house, and he stood next to his boy. And he said, boy, this is what I feel. God is for you as my son. Are we as moms and dads, are we bringing the presence of God into our children's lives? Are we doing that? Are we pointing them to Jesus in that moment? Or are we just carrying on? Man, we need to respond, church. I, this is, I'm, I'm responding. My hand's up first. My hand's way out because I'm going, Jesus, I want to respond to you. I want to bring your presence. And not just in a building because these are just four walls, but in corporately, in us as the body of Christ. Can we commit to going, yes, yes, I want to see the kingdom of God come in my own life, firstly, in my own heart, because that's where it needs to start. Because how can we expect him to come into this if it's not coming into our own life? And he's not breaking out into our own lives. And that comes by humility and it comes by surrender. Can we respond in that place first? Even maybe there's, there's areas of our lives that are not totally surrendered to Him. Maybe work, finances, whatever it might be, decisions, uh, your, your thought life, your emotions. They're not totally surrendered to Him. We need to go, Holy Spirit, come. Come, why don't we, why don't we stand together? Let's stand. Maybe, maybe you want to kneel before the Father. There's space in the front, guys. We, we, we don't need to be restricted by chairs. And like, let, Let's push the chairs away even if we need to. But let's get, let, let not be restricted by these, these chairs. And we need, we need to fall on our face before Him and say, Jesus, we need to surrender every, every part of our lives, every part of our being to You. Come, Jesus. Come, Jesus. Come, Jesus. Come and break out in my own life, Lord. Lord, I'm struggling with depression. I'm struggling with confusion. I'm struggling with, with all these different things. My I'm struggling to even bring my body under the control of the Holy Spirit, my, my, my flesh. I'm, I'm struggling to beat my flesh into, into submission of the Holy Spirit. Church, it's the work of Jesus. It's the work of Jesus that does it. Not wise and persuasive words. We need to surrender. We need to say, Jesus, come do your work. Come, come change me. My family, Lord, I, I want my family to come to a place of knowing you and intimacy with you. Jesus, come and break into my family's life. Come, Jesus. Come, Jesus. We surrender to you. My work situation, my circumstances, and I know there are men standing here who have challenging circumstances at work at the moment, faced with decisions and choices and, and find things that could change them in a course financially. Lord, we need you to break out into supernaturally 
into those circumstances, Jesus? Are we prepared, church, as a body, to stand in the gap for those men? Are we prepared to, to intercede for our brothers and our sisters that God would bring forth His favour and, and His hand upon their lives for health? Man, we could go on. The list goes on and on and on. For family members that are not in a relationship with Jesus. And, and I just in that moment right now, I just want to give every single one of us an opportunity again just to come to Jesus. Man, if you're sitting here this morning and you've heard Benny preach and it's struck a chord in your heart and you go, man, I don't even know this Jesus. I'm not even in a relationship with this Jesus. I need to start today. Man, please, please, I beg of you that you would just look to Him and say, God, I need you. I thank you, Jesus, that you died on the cross for my sins, that the work of Calvary was not a fictional story. It wasn't something that was made up by men. It really did happen. God, you really became man, lived amongst us and died on the cross so that I can be restored into a relationship with you. Because without you, Jesus, I deserve death. I want to give you my heart again. I want to give you my life. Just do that where you're standing. Do that where you're standing. Come, Jesus. And will you stand with us as a leadership, crying out for Jesus to come out and break out, his, bring His presence in this place, that it wouldn't just be another get-together where we just listen to a good preach and sing some songs, but actually that our lives are changed, that the person standing next to you encounters Jesus, that the person who's closest to you in your heart, maybe you've got a loved one that's not here. Man, Jesus, I cry to you that you would break out into them. You would use me, Jesus, to show the love of God to them.
about Jesus. Yeah, I just, uh, Pierre was just sharing with me now, and I, the real sense as well that, you know, we are the body of Christ. And it's almost like the world is, um, there, there's such a tug of war at the moment between what the world is wanting and what the kingdom of God is wanting. Now, even think of just with our, with our past elections kind of thing. I mean, even the way, to be honest, and, and I'm just going to put it out there. And I'm, I'm, I'm appalled at even it's, as to how some of the Christians even voted that they would choose clean streets over no abortion. They would choose clean streets and municipal services over abortion. I know that might shock some of you. You think, what? Yes. Are we standing up for the convictions of the church? Or are we standing up for the convictions of Jesus Christ? Will we stand for truth? Will we be, are we going to dig our heels in and pull against the world with Jesus on our shoulder? Or are we going to allow the world to yank us into, into what it thinks and how it thinks and how it believes and how it operates? Folk, we need to stand firm for the truth of Jesus Christ. We, we, we don't need to stand for clean streets and, and municipal services and making sure that we've got running water. It's more important because one day we're going to stand before Jesus, we're going to give an account for our lives, and He's going to look at, well, what did you choose? What did you choose? That's a tough pill to swallow, but it's the truth, guys. The fact that Angus Buckingham can get a million Christians to go and pray, and we cannot get a million Christians to vote for conservative values. Truth. Now, when I say conservative, you know what I'm talking about, all right? And I, 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 some of you, oh, I don't talk politics in church. Man, as a church, we need to rise up. We need to stand for truth. And it's not only in our government, but it's in our own lives. And as men, men, I'm looking around. I'm looking at some incredible men in the standing in this room. We need to rise up, men. We need to be the priests in our households. We need to be the pastors in our households. We need to be the preachers in our households. We need to be the evangelists in our households. We need to be the apostles in our households. Are we doing that? Maybe as men, we need to respond this morning. We need to just stick up our hands, both our hands and say, Jesus, we need the presence of God in our lives as men to break out into our lives as men, into our families and into our households. And it's through the kingdom of God coming through us as men that we will see Him break out into those around us. That's how it's going to change. That's the effect of the kingdom of God breaking out into the world. Come on, church. We need to stand for these things and we need to, we need to lift up our hands. So I, want to, I want Benny to lead us in a prayer. And as men, can I ask every man just to, if you're feeling comfortable, not if you, will you raise your hands in agreement with me? <laughs> yeah, Lord, you've called us as men to be the gatekeepers of our houses. And Father, I pray that these gates would swing wide to the presence of God. Lord, like David proclaimed when the ark came into the temple, he said, open wide the gates, let the King of glory come in. And Father, we want the King of glory to come into our households. We want the King of glory to come in our hearts, Lord. Come and convict us, come and give us boldness as men to lead our families, to lead our children, Lord, to lead our communities here in George. That, Father, we will be a force that wouldn't be reckoned with, Lord, because we have the Lord on our side. And, Lord, if you are for us, who can be against us? And so, Lord, we just want to pray this morning for your spirit to come upon these men. Lord, I pray for their businesses. I pray for their finances, Lord, as they put you first, as they put the kingdom first, Lord. You will do great things, Lord. You will make sure that their houses will run in the way that you want. Lord, you will provide for them. You will be Jehovah Jireh, the provider, Lord. 
And I pray this morning, Lord, as, as men, we would look at you first, Jesus. Not our comforts, not all those extras, but Lord, that we'd look at you, the author and the finisher of our faith. And Father, won't you come and just move our hearts with conviction this morning. Lord, we want to do what you've called us to. Lord, we want to be our lives to be a living sacrifice to you, Father. Lord, let it be laid on the altar of Jesus that you can lead us. Ultimately, Jesus, you are the one who leads us. And Father, we want you to, you to lead us into all truth as a family. And so bless the men in this church. Lord, I pray that you would give them boldness. But more than that, Lord, I want to pray for your spirit to be upon them in Jesus' name. I, I want to also pray for the young men. I want you young men to come stand up here. You youngsters, Ian, you buddy, Noah, come Zander, come David, you too. You're a young man. Caleb, Michael. And, and I'm choosing specifically the men here, the boys. <laughs> Just come a little bit forward. Come a little bit forward. Byron, you can join them because you're a young man still too. And I want the older men to come and stand behind them. These are our leaders of tomorrow, guys. These are our leaders of tomorrow. Come stand behind them. Older, older than 25, 30. Because <laughs> I don't know what's old nowadays. Because I feel so young and I'm 43. 40, 43, I think so. And I want then the wives to come and stand behind the men. Solidarity is families. Because these are the guys leading the charge. These are the guys leading the charge, the future leaders of our country, the future leaders of our churches. And I tell you what, if we as men behind us don't start raising these guys up in godly values, in godly truths, I tell you what, we're, can I use a word here? <laughs> there's no hope. Okay, I'll be careful how I speak because I'm feeling very expressive, but there's no hope. If these guys don't get it right, there's no hope. And we as dads, we need to be discipling these youngsters into everything that Jesus... With our wives behind us, our wives... We're getting... Come. I want some of those single ladies. Come stand there. Come in the old... Every one of us, we're standing here together as a body. For God has called us. Amen. So, um, I'm going to get... A lack of women to pray for us. <laughs> Carlos, <laughs> come stand next to me, my boy. Make way for Carlos. I want you to get, you've got some faith here. Come lead us in a, in a prayer of faith and a prayer that stirs hearts and stirs passions for these youngsters. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the word that came out this morning that heaven is your home, earth is your footstool. In Isaiah 66, you say, where will my resting place be? And then you say, I will look to the man that's of a humble heart. And so, Lord Jesus, this morning, we have humble people. The fact that these young men came out and stood up front here in humility, in brokenness. They saying, God, almighty God, heaven, from heaven whose throne is heaven, whose earth is footstool. Come and make your resting place, your landing place, make it my heart. Lord, I pray that you will land on the hearts of these young men, that you will make 
their hearts your dwelling place. That they will know that because of your, their humility and their brokenness, that's all you're looking for. Humility, brokenness. That you will land your anointing, your presence in their lives right now, this morning. And that collectively, Lord, you will say, these humble people, that's where I want to be. I want to land here. Where shall my resting place be? Is the cry of your heart. And we say, here we are, Lord. Come and rest here with us. Here we are this morning. Come, come, come. In Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Right. I want these young men to turn around and face the adults. And I want, no, no, just face, face, these, face these men. And I want Noah to lead these boys in a prayer. Yeah, Lord Jesus, we want to thank you for these adults that you put over our lives, Lord. We want to thank you for the blessings that they have upon our lives, Lord. We, we want to thank you that that they that you, you chose them to raise us in you, God. And I thank you that they led us into you, God. Thank you that we were exposed to who you are, God, God through them. And Lord, I pray that as we grow up, Lord, that they will be even more influential to on, on us, Lord, as we end up having families, Lord, that they would just be there as a guideline, Lord through you God that you were the influence on them to be the influence on us Lord and I think I speak for all us all of us when I say we love our parents Lord yeah Lord we want to thank you for again all the adults that are family here in this church Lord because all the adults have an influence on us Lord not just mom and dad but Uncle Mark or Hector or Uncle Carlos Uncle Ocket Uncle Benny we thank you, Lord, for these men that you've put over us, Lord, as, 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 as pillars in our house, Lord. We thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for these, the women as well, Lord. Thank you for Auntie Lauren. Thank you for, for Mom, Auntie Sarette. Thank you, Lord, for those women, Lord. Thank you for the decor that they put in our houses, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for them, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This is church. This is family. Let's go for a church. Let's live it out. Let's love extravagantly. Let's live victoriously. And let's reach the world for Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's give it up. Be blessed. Have an incredible Sunday. And be richly encouraged in your walk with Jesus.